spiritual awakening feels like it's a special thing and it's only for a certain type of person or I would never have. A spiritual awakening could just literally be you've recognized that your life needs to change. You know, it's not always a lightning bolt or a horrendous experience or a dark night of the soul. It's just an ex- a, a situation, a period of time where you recognize, you remember that you are a spirit being in a human form. There comes a time on your soul journey where you are called home to your true self. In answering this call, you are part of a powerful collective shift towards deeper understanding and expansion. You are part of something bigger than yourself. You are in the stage of growth known as Enlightenhood. I'm Lena Lemos, your host and founder of House of Enlightenhood. I'm here to help you heal and remember the depths of your soul as you step into who you were always meant to be. Spirituality should be as simple as coming home to yourself and tuning into your heart. And on this podcast, I provide you with channeled wisdom and tangible tools to incorporate into your soul exploration. If you're inspired by today's episode, please leave a review, subscribe to the show, and share this episode on Instagram. I am so grateful that you're here. Hello, you beautiful souls, and happy Monday. I know I say this at the beginning of every podcast, especially lately, but this year has just been such an incubator for growth. And I know I keep sharing with you that I feel like I'm still on this path to to seeing the, the grander picture of how I'm meant to serve. And I felt like this year I was just collecting puzzle pieces where I couldn't really see the full picture, but I was just trusting, was figuring out who I am, what brings me joy, remembering all these multifaceted pieces of my soul. And within the last month, I'd say it has been a whirlwind. And I am just so excited to share with you so many huge changes that are coming with House of Enlightenhood, most likely at the beginning of 2021. And it is just so in line with who I am, what I believe, this conversation that I started almost two years ago, and I wish I could share all all of it with you now. But it really goes hand in hand with today's episode. I'm chatting with the amazing Vicki Paul And we are talking about our highest selves. And this is the one thing that I will share with you before we get into this episode, because through my journey of collecting these puzzle pieces of my soul, I was always under the assumption that my highest self, the most aligned version of myself, looked a certain way that was almost inaccessible to to who I was at that moment. For instance, the the highest version of me was this certain type of spiritual person. The highest version of me was this cer- certain type of mother. This highest version of me was this certain type of friend and human. The highest version of me was this certain type of creator. 
And you know what? I was completely overlooking the the parts of me that are full of joy, the parts of me that are full of light because I was in search of a version of me that didn't actually even exist. And I wasn't nurturing the things I love. I wasn't nurturing the things that light me up. So if you keep hearing this, this spiritual jargon tool, which Vicki and I will talk about, about being your highest self and being aligned and thinking that that version of you, that a majority of those pieces exist outside of yourself, look no further because they don't. Your highest self is the happiest, most joyful, most loving version of you. And chances are you already know what those things are. You already know who the, who that person is. So stop searching and just walk to your closest mirror. Today, I am chatting with author Vicki Paul. Vicki believes we carry inside of us everything we seek outside of us. She is an intuitive artist, author, and visionary who uses art, words, and energy to activate your soul and connect humanity. Vicki enjoyed a successful career as a multi-award winning radio presenter, reporting backstage at MTV VMAs and Live 8 concert. She has interviewed everyone from Madonna to George Michael and the Spice Girls, saying with Kylie in the darkness, swapped skincare tips with Claudia Schiffer, and helped Minnie Driver perfect her Scottish accent. At the height of her career, she had a shiny life breakdown and a spiritual awakening after she saw her papa standing in her living room. Spoiler alert, he had been dead for 25 years. Since then, Vicky has been on her own spiritual journey, soaking up the intuitive mystic arts. She studied with the psychic mediums Janes von Prague and June Field and is a certified yoga teacher, energy healer, and soul plan practitioner. Vicky started writing and painting again after three miscarriages left her struggling to express what she was feeling. Her first book, How to Be Success Soul, is a guide to reconnecting with your soul to lead a happier, healthier life. On today's episode, Vicki and I are talking about the highest self. What is your highest self? Why do we have this idea that the highest self is so inaccessible? What are the benefits to tapping into your highest self? And we're also breaking down some other spirituality myths of what it actually means to be a spiritual being having a human experience. You guys are going to absolutely love this episode, which we will dive into right after this. One of the biggest reasons I began to tiptoe out of the spiritual closet was I felt so lonely. I didn't have anyone in my life to discuss these soul level changes that happened when motherhood reawakened me. And that's why I feel so passionate about community and the ways finding soul family can forever change us. If you're looking to find your people and discover spiritual wisdom and guidance in a safe and private space that is off of social media, we invite you to join our free community, The Garden. It's time to grow with us at garden.enlightenedhood.com or text GARDEN to 31996 for the link sent straight to your phone. Can't wait to see you inside. So excited to talk to you today about our highest self and our soul self and how we can activate those parts of ourself because even as much as I've been on this journey and really putting in that conscious effort to to 
connect with my highest self and use it in all aspects of my life, whether it's my relationships, business, tapping into my creative self. There's always seems to be those layers that we have to peel back and those things standing in the way. And I just started reading your book and I love so much in the introduction how you're just completely honest. Like you're, this is me figuring it out. We're all just figuring it out. And I think sometimes in spirituality, there's this idea of the highest self and it kind of becomes this inaccessible jargon tool that spiritual leaders tend to use. And then it makes us feel like we don't have any access to that. So it's not really a question as more as just a statement that I'm so grateful to have your perspective about the highest self and how we can really tune into it, tap into it and really use it. And I love the word, how you call it success soul, like successful, Mm -hmm. but with our soul, because I think that really is the ultimate success, right? Is being tuned into our soul. Absolutely. For me, and, you know, thank you very much for the opportunity to do this because I've been listening to your podcast for a while. And and when I came across you, I I saw that you were all about making spirituality simple. And I believe in that process too. I also believe that a lot of it can put people off because of the jargon of um, things perhaps not feeling that you can resonate with and you need to be a certain personality type or you need to live in a certain place or dress in a certain way to be spiritual. And I believe spirituality, we are all spiritual every day because we are spiritual beings. And the word higher self, I prefer to use soul self because higher for me has the, because I'm an artist and I visualize things, it feels like it's up here and, and out of reach. However, I can understand where that comes from because our higher self, you know, we're used to talking about, you know, heaven and earth and that is our higher self. So when I first came up with the idea, well, I wasn't even, I say I came up with the idea, I channeled the idea for my book. It just brain dumped into my head. And the words are the, the, the title, How to Be Successful. When I sort of studied and looked into what the word success meant, because we're all striving for success in life. And, you know, certainly in the Western world, success tends to be some form of materialistic gain, you know, whether it's a better job, bigger house, you know, kids in private school, a car, clothes, et cetera, et cetera. When I looked at the word success and actually delved deep into the etymology, so this is study of language, I found that success, when it was first created in the 15th century, it meant to go near to the outcome would have been what could have been good or bad. It didn't make any difference. It was just about going near to. Mm. So successful is obviously a bit of a play in the words. It taps into all of our drive to be and have success. But I love the play in words because that was very much part of my spiritual journey was it started off with words and, and how I talked to myself. And I was very aware of how negative I was about myself. So I'm a real fan of words and, and started doing affirmations and that kind of thing. But yet, absolutely, we are all spiritual beings. We are all living our higher self. Just a lot of the time, it's kind of cloaked and masked by the physical reality of being a human being in this life. I love so much that that I didn't know that 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 was the original meaning. And I think that just does it such a testament to what I truly believe spirituality is, is just showing up and putting in the effort and going towards that effort of evolving 
and acting with more love and more consciously. And wow, I never had any idea. And I think it's, there's such an unlearning to do of that world that we exist in as a human and what we have been taught to believe that success is. And what a beautiful alternate perspective of that. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I mean, it was, I had goosebumps and I always get goosebumps when I, I talk about it because you're absolutely right. We, we are unlearning. We were born into this world, I believe, with a, a blueprint and knowing of exactly who we are and what we're here to do. And then as we get to sort of three, four, five, when we start to become much more aware of our physical senses and our physical interaction, and we become, you know, more attuned with language and people's ideas and, and society's ideas of who and what we are, our parents, our peers, etc., we lose connection to that all-knowing, that that blueprint. And the unlearning that we're doing is actually a remembering. So it's unlearning and remembering. You know, there are two words that could that mean the same thing. But you do have to put in the effort, you know, and this is the one thing that I was very keen to explain and for it to come through in the book, which is why I wanted it to be honest. And I wanted to simplify everything down to make it easy to digest because I feel that so many people are put off being spiritual because it takes effort. But the truth is it takes more effort to not be spiritual than it does to be spiritual. Because if you think if you're not being spiritual and you're not leading a life that is in alignment with the principles of love, more joy, balance, abundance, etc., you're living in a almost like a negative state of mind. And for anyone who knows the law of attraction, and that means that we pull all of that too. So you're constantly fighting off all the negativity. So I always say to people, would you rather walk up this really long, fairly shallow, but incline all of your life or power up through this really steep hill for a short period that's going to be so much harder initially However, you've got all the way back down on the other side for the rest of your life. It just depends how you want to put in the work. <laughs> oh, I love that analogy. And it's so true because when we're living, there's almost so much resistance to not living as your spiritual self. And you're so right that when we exist in these lower frequencies, that's what our life becomes. And it it even adds that layer to not being able to remember. And I think once you're able to kind of break through and you see some of the light start to pour in, it it makes it worth it. And it makes that that hard, really steep incline seem not as hard because you start to get that that feeling of remembering and that euphoria that's within your heart. So you said you started with words and how you started talking to yourself. Can we go into that a little bit? Because I think there's such this idea that that incline, we have to do it all and all at once when really it's just those small little conscious steps of how we begin to really tap into our soul self. So what did you start with and how did it kind of creak open that door to you to have more? Well, for me, I, in hindsight, now know that I was always connected with Spirit, and I'm talking about sort of the spiritual realm from a medianistic point of view, but I didn't realize it at the time. And then I had 
I call it my shiny life breakdown because I had what would be considered a very successful life, a great career, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and it all fell apart and crumbled. And in six months, I had nothing. You know, the relationship had ended. My job had disappeared. I had no money. I had no home, and I really hit rock bottom. And, and this is the thing about life: our body is always trying to heal us. It's always trying to remind us, as is the universe. The whole system is act in our favor to help us remember who we are and what we're here to do. And when we get too focused on all the shiny things, this is when challenges can potentially arise. And if we don't pay attention and listen to our own body communicating with us, then life steps in as what happened to me. So I found myself in a place of the rock bottom. And a lot of people that I've spoken to on this path Something fairly big has happened to them in some capacity or another where they have hit rock bottom, been on their knees and genuinely handed it over. You know, we all pray and we go, God, please help me. I'll do anything. You know, we make trades and deals. If you do this, I'll do that. So I found myself hitting rock bottom. And it was actually my husband who introduced me to Louise Hay because he is the manifestation king. (laughs) And... I yeah amazing and I I mean I always chatted I always was talked as a kid I talked for a for a living as a radio presenter the words were always very important to me and it wasn't until I was introduced to Louise Hay you can heal your life and then positive affirmations and the actual process that everything we say is an affirmation and I became this was the first thing that I did because words were important to me and I thought that this would be the first sort of baby step towards understanding what the spiritual awakening was all about. The awakening happened over a period of time for me. Some people, it's an instant thing. You know, they wake up next day and they've had an awakening. Others, it's not. So it happened over a period of time for me and I started with language and started becoming aware of how I talked to myself, but also what I was communicating outwardly. And I asked my husband, so if anybody doesn't have a partner, that you can ask your friends, your parents, just people in your circle to gently pull you up if you are being negative. And you will be surprised at how negative and how down and how judgmental we can be. And we just take them, you know, remarks that have no emotional attachment to them. But in actual fact, you know, everything we do and say is this, um, this this affirmation. So that's the first thing. I started with language. And then I began to, it was hard. You were unlearning a lifetime of talking down to yourself, uh, you know, listening to your own thoughts and other people's opinions. Like you, I also suffered um, quite badly with bullying when I was in school for a, a, a good period throughout school. And that does remain with you. We've all got issues with self-worth. So I started to, first of all, just be aware of, Anytime I said something negative, I would say, okay, I've said something negative. So I became aware of it. And then I started to change. So when things were a challenge, can't, won't, this is rubbish, I would start to change. This is an opportunity. This is a challenge. This is a gift to let me see what I'm capable of. And I started to flip everything because I believe that we came here to deliberately go through challenges because that's where the growth and the lessons are. And when, you know, you said earlier on, when the light creaks in, it gives you that wee bit of help to understand that you can move forward and you can move up that steep hill. And, and that's exactly right. It's just 
like somebody reaching through and taking your hand to help you up the next step. I had chills when you said that because that and it's almost like your highest self, your soul self is doing that and reaching and pulling you like this is who you actually are. It's just now you're remembering it and you're taking that next step into your true wisdom and your true power. Why? Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, I think everyone has their own reason, but I feel like there's a collective sentiment too of why it's so hard. Have you found by people you've talked to in the experience of writing your book, what is truly standing in our way? Is it fear? Is it resistance to change? Is it not truly understanding how capable or wise or powerful we are? It's all of the above, Lena. It, it, it is all of the above. I believe when we first change, because kids, and, and you'll know this with your own daughter, you know, they will be very connected spiritually. You know, they talk about kids having imaginary friends and there's no fear. They just play and say and do whatever they want. Then they start to be guided by parents and society to go along a path. So I believe that society, as we have it at the moment, certainly in the West, is structured in a way that we follow its path and we tick its boxes. And for us to fit in and to be part of the system, the greater system, for the least resistance, the least resistance for us as human beings, we mould ourselves to best fit in with that path. Things are a lot better than they were when I was a teenager, where it's much more acceptable to be different from society's version. And I'm putting quotes around that because I don't believe there's any such thing as different. I believe we're all the same at the centre, at our soul self. We're just all wrapped up to look in a different way and to behave in a different way. And that's what makes life amazing. But that's another story. So I think when we do not follow the truth of who we are, we do not embrace or even know the truth of who we are, that's when resistance comes up. That's when fear comes up because to stand out and be different for so many people is difficult because we are told not to be like that. We are encouraged not to be like that from a child. So these things are stuck in our brains and stuck in our psyche however our body always wants us to remember it's always pushing us in the direction of remembering so there's definite resistance from the human being the physical aspect of us there's no resistance from a spiritual or a soulful aspect there is fear i think everybody lives in a state of fear for even now i mean everything that's been on with the pandemic our very livelihoods our houses the structure of government supply chain food i mean it's I don't know what it's like where you are, but we just popped into lockdown again in England and all the toilet rolls have disappeared at the supermarket again. Oh, no. <laughs> so there's a lot of fear going about. <laughs> so I think there's so many different things. But I also believe that everybody has a, a reason that they are here. Not everybody is here to awaken or reawaken. We also have what's called free will, as you know, so we can choose to resist or choose to accept. And I also think it depends on your friendship, the circle that you're in, your own family, if they are open to you changing and being different. 
to who they perceive you to be or who they know you to be. If you have that support network, it can be a lot easier. But if you don't, you struggle with society's restrictions, your restrictions or limitations, your family's limitations. I think there's so many different things preventing people from accessing who they are. That said, there now with everything to do with the internet, podcasts, so many more people are sharing their stories that then gives other people the vulnerability and courage to access their own story and to inquire about what their story actually is rather than society's idea of what their story should be. That's so true. And even in the last year and a half since I've been doing this, I've seen more people step into their power in that that validation to give to others through sharing their story. But for people who are still, maybe they don't have that support. Maybe there's still that huge wall of resistance. What are the benefits of tapping into your soul self and to living in that constant effort and that steep incline of putting in the work to access your soul self? For me, when we talk about putting in a lot of work, there is work, but it's not effort in the in the way that we understand effort to be. For example, if you said you've got a, you walked into a house that had just been internally demolished and you had to clean the house up, that takes physical effort and you're like, oh, this is going to take me a week. You visualize and you can know how much work and time and energy is going to go into that. We cannot possibly know how much time and energy we have to put into our own path. Number one, because we don't really consciously know what we're here to do and how much effort, in inverted commas, that is likely to take. We also have free will, so we can choose to get on board or not. The more open you are to letting the light flood in, the easier things become. So when I talk about effort or we talk about effort for me it's about recognizing that there will be feelings arising within you that like for me feelings are just energy and that energy needs shifted and released to allow flow to happen to allow this sort of movement between you and the universe and that that's the only effort there is the effort is involved in accessing, opening up and releasing feelings and no longer being attached to them, no longer having judgment about them. So it's not a physical effort, although, as you well know, there can be physical limitations when energy shifts. You know, stuff happens. I I recently had a, a bad tooth infection and ended up having to have the tooth extracted, which was hugely traumatic from my human vanity point of view. But that was energy that that I was holding on to. And when I researched what the the metaphysical meaning of the particular tooth meant, it was to do with loss and children, which made complete sense to me because my husband and I suffered three miscarriages and I hadn't fully given myself enough time to grieve over that, accept that this was part of my path, et cetera, et cetera. So there can be physical effort (laughs) and issues. However, you can choose to limit those by being open, by trusting, by releasing, by becoming more attuned to the physical 
shift in your body because the physical shifts in your body are just a more forceful way of getting your attention. Because what you ultimately will start to do when you reconnect with your soul self is you tune in to your gut instinct, your heart, and you feel things. You, you, rather, and I mean um, emotionally rather than physically. So the benefits of connecting with your higher self or your soul self is the fact that we are mind, body, spirit. So we're three or four parts. We're more than that. But to keep it simple, and we came into this lifetime, which is a, a physical lifetime and a spiritual lifetime. So it, it's almost like you cutting off part of who you are mm-hmm. and you're not able to access the power of that part. So if you you know, cut off your arms, you would use, it, it, it's the same thing. It's like losing the ability and all the things that your arms give you. So when we have access to our soul self, we can, I always, and it, this is a visual thing that I'm doing on, on, on screen here, but if you imagine it's like the cog of a wheel where each, you know, your soul self, your physical being, your mental being, your emotional being, they all cog in round one another and you can move with ease and flow and tap into each aspect of who you are, dependent on what you are being faced with. Sometimes you'll need the physical human body to to deal with an issue. Sometimes you need your mind to think your way through it. Sometimes you need your heart and sometimes you need your soul. So that that is the benefit. Plus it's, you know, accessing all of who you are. It's the complete package. Yeah. I am such a proponent from that. And I think there's another misconception that I think comes with the highest self is that it is almost solely related to the third eye chakra and the crown chakra, where it's all about your psychic gifts and your abilities and having this intuition that's blown wide open. And I think that's such a misconception because what I heard you say and where my legs tingled was that it was all from the heart and that when all the cogs Mm -hmm. in the wheel line up, your full self is all encompassing. It's not just about your intuition, but there's so much more to what your soul self or your highest self can bring to your idea of yourself and your expansiveness as a being that incorporates mind, body, and spirit. Absolutely. I believe that when we live from a place of soul or heart, you act, our heart chakra is the, the, the portal to infinite love. Yes. As you know. So why would you not want to access that? Number one, you'd be crazy not to want to have that access. When we access that and we live from a more soulful perspective, we, we're never going to lose our shadow self because we're a human being and that's what, you know, our, our shadow self is very much part of us. We all have character traits that we don't love and that come out. We can be judgy or jealous or et cetera, et cetera. However, when we access our soul self, we don't hold resistance to this. We recognize that that was then, we behaved in that way. It was to highlight to us where we needed to put some more effort and work into. So everything that, you know, all the kind of shadow stuff is is a reflection and a mirror back at us. But instead of that being an issue and you constantly, and I use, for example, if we talk about judging, you know, we are all can be judgmental. We judge each other. We do it unconsciously. There's a thing called unconscious bias where we base opinions on other people, on organizations, on situations based on our own past experience. And for a lot of the time, we don't know that we're doing it. However, when we come from a place of love or a place from soul, when you're 
more enveloped in that infinite source of love. Number one, you don't judge yourself. You become more loving to yourself and therefore automatically become outwardly more loving. So when you do that, people are then kinder to you, more loving towards you, and the ripple effect goes on and on and on and so forth. However, um, to do that takes patience, it takes time, it takes understanding, it takes commitment. And oftentimes this is what puts people off being spiritual because of the experience of, oh, this is going to take a lot of time, it's going to take a lot of effort. But, you know, and I keep going back to this when you talk about the light coming in. When you even experience this for the briefest of moments, it, it's non-negotiable. You cannot go back to the way that you were. So the effort that you potentially have to put in, you start to see it not as effort, but as learning. And you start to not be bowled over and floored and taking a time out because life is throwing something a bit awkward or difficult in your path. You start to see it as, as an opportunity of growth and learning. Does that make sense? I feel like yeah. I've kind of gone off the beaten no, track a bit. It makes complete sense. I almost, while you were saying that, it just came to me that we should almost rephrase effort as just pouring love into yourself. And how can we mm-hmm. fill those cracks and maybe those wounds or those those shadows that we haven't been willing to look at yet more deeply if we fill them with love? And would that be less scary than saying, oh, it's going to be lots of work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I laugh. And it's interesting, everybody that's been through a spiritual awakening, and and that's the other thing. Spiritual awakening feels like it's a special thing, and it's only for a certain type of person. Or I would never. Have. A spiritual awakening could just literally be you recognize that your life needs to change. You know, it's not always a lightning bolt or a horrendous experience or a dark night of the soul. It's just an a, a, a situation, a period of time where you recognize, you remember that you are a spirit being in a human form and your life will change from that day forward. There is no going back. And even if it takes you 10 years to fully integrate your soul self, although it's always integrated, and I I don't mean for any minute that it's separate, but for you to fully embrace and to be able to move with ease between each aspect of your being, it might take a long period of time, but that's because you decided that's how long it's going to take. You know, everything that's happening to us is happening for us by us. And that's the other thing when you're beginning on a spiritual journey is to start to recognize when people are or or don't treat you well or you fall out with family members or the job no longer works out or your partner dumped you or all the other awful things that we all go through as human beings, these are meant to happen to us. We came into this life to experience these particular situations because these are the growth areas for us. And you will notice, I do uh, a thing called Soul Plan, which is a it's a it's an ancient system of life purpose analysis that looks at your life in terms of your gifts, your talents, your challenges, your goals. And it talks about 
the challenges are, are, are the periods in our life that start off very young, normally sort of three, four, five, and they repeat themselves, these patterns repeat themselves throughout our lives. So what you can start to do as well is, is to look back at your life and start to recognize patterns. Patterns when things worked out, when you just trusted your intuition. Repeat patterns of maybe you're inviting the same type of person into your life. Maybe it'll be wrapped up in a, a boyfriend one time or it'll be wrapped up in a boss another time or a friend or whatever. So there's definite patterns. And, and, and one of the things that you can do, as I said, is, is to look back and become more aware of the different situations in your life and how that has affected you and what you've learned from it, if you've not learned from it, where the growths are. So your life is sprinkled with, you know, signposts to help make the effort less. Yeah. I think that's one thing that's really served me is the idea of the soul self and the higher self has given me almost permission to take that step back and add the alternate perspective. Mm -hmm. So I can see those things with more awareness where before mm -hmm. I was fully in it and didn't necessarily, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's not, didn't have the capacity or the ability, but didn't have the awareness that I could even take a step out of, I don't want to say the movie or the matrix, but kind of to, mm -hmm. to look at it from a different perspective. Absolutely. Because for me, so many of us, it, it's really for me all centered around feelings. Feelings are our story, are the key to who we are, to our soul self. But a lot of people confuse feelings with emotions. Emotions are hardwired in the limbic part of the brain. They are non-negotiable. They are always skewed. They are irrational by definition and rooted in sort of caveman times, fight or flight. But what happens with emotions is that they flash and then they disappear. Our feelings are how we felt about different experiences, often centered around these emotions based on our own life circumstances. But our feelings are able to be manipulated by us. And what a lot of us do is don't fully remember what that experience was like. So you may be, and we just take, for example, being bullied because that's something we both suffered. Bullying, you know, at the time was chronic. You know, it, it, it was debilitating for me from a, an emotional, mental, not so much physical. It tended to be emotional bullying that I was dealt with, uh, that I dealt with. But as time went on, instead of just taking them as a one-off ex experience of somebody had their own issues and decided to reflect that back onto me and call me names or treat me poorly, et cetera, et cetera. My brain started to say, well, I must be worthless. You know, I deserve this. And all of a sudden, one instance has grown to this huge, big chapter of my story. Mm -hmm. And the longer you leave that, oftentimes the worse the story gets. And then we start to behave in a certain way because we believe someone else, you know, and an experience that happened to us 25 years ago or 20 years ago or 15 years ago, whatever it was. So this is the challenge with the feelings and not accessing them, not processing them at the time, which can be very difficult when we are teenagers and we're younger. You tend to find that we just go through the motions and it's not until, certainly in my generation, it tended to be our 30s, but for your generation, 
thankfully it's happening a lot earlier. We are becoming more aware of our spiritual self and there being something more than just what we can experience with our five senses. So we are being invited to awaken much earlier in our life, in your generation, which is wonderful. Um, but it gives a certain sensitivity and, and with that sensitivity, with, with everything, there's a yin to yang and a you know two sides to the coin with the sensitivities. But it, it's about truthfully looking at our feelings and being able to gently access them and allow them to surface and to release them. And the fear of what that might do to us is what prevents us from going there. But as you said, when we start to access our feelings, being more aware of our feelings, understanding that they're not here to hurt or harm us, our body doesn't want us to be rocking in the corner depressed for weeks and months on end. That is not what we came here to be. And when you are able to gently start to work with your feelings, you're absolutely right. This is what you do. Is what you said a couple of minutes ago is you step back and you can almost look onto your life and, and see what's happening in front of you rather than to you. Yeah, that was the biggest hurdle for me was when I was writing my book and I was going back through all of these stories and these things that had happened to me and releasing them, understanding the difference between them being a part of my past and them being a part of me. And when I could detach those roots that kind of existed within my own heart, that's when everything changed. Because just because it was an event that happened in my life that had layers and layers of stories and beliefs built on top of it, it took a lot to unpack it. But once I could let go of that, that bottom core story of whether it's not being enough or being hurt by someone who you thought cared about you or feeling unloved or judged or criticized, once you can kind of let go of that root, it completely changes everything, but it takes a lot of looking at it. It takes a lot of time to sit with it and it takes a lot of time to go and sort through it before you can kind of detach that from yourself. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. I had the, the same situation and process running through me when I was writing my book and certainly and just to go back because we've talked about the bullying what I recognized was there was a reason I was bullied and I always knew this when I was younger you know in my 20s I always said if I had to go back and do it all again I would because at the time I thought it was because it gave me determination focus hard work because I was trying to prove to everybody that I wasn't the worthless person that they all said I was. But actually, the truth of it was that it gave me, I don't want to say a thick skin, but it gave me the confidence to be able to be myself openly without fear of being judged because nothing would ever be as bad as the way I was treated by the bullies at the time in school. Nobody could say anything more hurtful or harmful to me. So it gave me a tremendous inner confidence in who I am and then gave me the courage to be vulnerable, to speak up and share my story and, and tell people who I am, what happened to me, to enable others to do the same. 
So everything that happens to us is an opportunity for us to grow and grow into our gifts and our talents and ultimately what we're here to do, which is to serve other people and, you know, being vulnerable and sharing the truth of who you are invites others to do the same. And that's exactly what you're doing with your book and your podcast and everything that you do as well. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. But I, it's such a perspective that I've adopted in my entire life. And I don't necessarily know if it's a popular one yet of this idea that we have chosen these things to go through to learn. And my mom, actually, I sat down with my parents before my book was published, because we hadn't necessarily had all the conversations about things that had happened to me during my teenage years. And my mom shared with me what she had never told me before is that she sought intuitive guidance when I was going through this really hard time with my bullying. And what the woman told her was that I chose this and that she had mm -hmm. to let it happen. And mm -hmm. she had never told that to me before. And I was like, wow, you had the awareness watching me go through this. And I had to kind of circle back 15 years later to find the same awareness that yes, I, I did choose this so I could learn the power of forgiveness. And like you said, that inner strength to know that you have that foundation, that nothing could be that as bad as that. And I wish that more people would have that awareness that perhaps, like you said, those things are happening for you to have these experiences. First off, I have to say mega hats off to your mom. <laughs> that must have been such a hard thing yeah. for her to do to watch her baby girl struggle and go through all this and be hands off yep. and not try and fix your lessons so that's amazing and also you're going to be the same kind of mom because you've experienced that which is wonderful yeah that is a lesson that people are coming late to the party to because responsibility is such a laden heavy word people don't like responsibility because we've been made to feel that responsibility is hard and it's not fun but in actual fact I see it as breaking the word down responsibility responding to your ability I like that and yeah I love that too and you're absolutely right every single thing and and it's a difficult one when there's a lot of perceived evil in the world and evil acts and murder and rape and pillage and all the chronic things that go on in the world. It's very difficult to have the conversation with somebody to say, well, you chose these experiences. You know, how do you brace, embrace that conversation with somebody who's had a lot of trauma in their life? And, and that, I believe, is one of the first parts of resistance to it all. It's all good and well saying oh yes I can see why that happened if it was an easy circumstance or it was light and it wasn't effort or hurtful or harmful however and I still don't fully grasp this I just know in my heart that I believe everything that we go through we came here to experience and we did pick this journey the lessons are the lessons, how we get to those lessons are entirely up to us. This is where the free will comes in. So my beliefs are we're pick our parents based on the set of experiences that we want to go through in this lifetime. From a spiritual point of view, there isn't such a thing as a good or bad experience. It's just an experience. Good and bad is 
what we frame it. And two people can experience the exact same thing. One person could find it a great experience. One person could hate every minute of it based on their lifetime. So good and bad is subjective, is the first thing. But we come into this lifetime to expand and, and the growth happens in the challenges. However, when awful things happen to us, we can't or we struggle to square that away. However, if you look at all the good that is done out of perceived bad experiences from anything from somebody who has terminal cancer, who changes their life, raises money and awareness for other people, and then other people benefit off the back of their perceived bad experience. So, which I, it's easy to say, and it's, I don't mean it to sound glib or light, and I've had my own challenging experiences with um, miscarriages and skin cancer and, you know, a number of other you know, situations from, you know, financial, you, know, you name it. Um, there's been a lot of challenges in there. But it has made me who I am. I have embraced all of it. I have come to some of it kicking and screaming. It's taken me a long time to respect and care and look after my body, my physical body, because I, like so many other people, when you first start to kind of dip your toe in the body of spirituality, get so drawn in by the amazing psychic and intuitive experiences that you have that you could just almost stay there for as long as you want. It's very difficult to come back then and, you know, kick about in your oftentimes difficult, grubby life. However, we chose to be here. So that it's an acceptance. And, and if you can accept that all this all the things the negative in a commas things that happen to you are your choice it was your choice to have this it takes the sting out the tail mm-hmm. yeah I remember I went through a period of time where I wasn't getting on well with my mum and I couldn't understand why we were having these challenges and, and what was going on and then I had the issues fertility issues within myself and, and why I couldn't fall pregnant or keep a pregnancy. And I went through a bit of a, a, a dark time about that. And, and then it came into my head, well, you can't be, you can't accept all the spiritual stuff when it's just the good stuff. You have to embrace all of it. Yeah. So if you're going to take on the good stuff and all the kind of positive stuff to spirituality, you're going to have to take on the stuff that you're not liking. And the minute I said, well, I picked my mum, I picked my mum to behave the way, and it wasn't that she was behaving towards me. We were behaving like this. We were button up against one another. I chose that relationship. I chose not to have a family in this lifetime because there was clearly some energy needing shifted in the mother line from the divine feminine. And this wasn't necessarily energy in my lifetime. I was carrying this from ancestors or past family members and I was the one that chose to come into this lifetime to fix that energy and to stop that pattern from being repeated lifetime after lifetime after lifetime and when I I you know and I didn't come to that with some kind of blinding flash of inspiration I spoke to people and I read up on stuff and and then it just resonated with me and this is one of the things that you can do is listen to podcasts like Lena's listen to people who are explaining and telling stories because you will connect with it. We're all telling the same story with just different characters. 
And it just really resonated with me. And instantly it took the sting out of the tail of not being able to become a mother, not being able to have my own family. And my relationship with my mum changed. And I was able to forgive myself. I was able to forgive her. And we now have an amazing relationship. So in taking responsibility, you can make miracles happen. Wow. I have like chills. Those, my leg chills now are my Mm -hmm. just indicators of beautiful, profound things. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. also think that it's beautiful that you had enough trust within yourself to resonate it resonate with it and then allow it to become your truth Mm -hmm. because sometimes we can resonate with it but not have the courage to accept it as our truth because we don't have that trust within ourselves absolutely and that's a a time thing that is part of the journey part of the process and I, I you know I probably could have come to that realization earlier but I wasn't meant to because there was other things I needed to learn. And this is the other thing that I want to say to people is that when you come against obstacles or perceived obstacles in your path, it's not that life is out to get you or something's trying to stop you or hurt you or any of these things. It's just a physical signpost for you to stop, take a moment, Explore what's going on. Explore where you're at. Because sometimes, you know, we always want to run before we can walk. That's just what it is to be a human being, which is amazing because look how far we've come from a technological point of view. Our, you know, it's tremendous what we're able to do because of this ambition and this ability to want to fly and run and, and be amazing beings. However, sometimes we have to take a step back and go at, the universe's pace rather than our own pace. We're always trying to fast forward stuff. And the other thing that you can do that really will help you to be, as you would perceive it, more spiritual. And it's not about being more spiritual. It's about being spiritual and being soulful and connecting with your heart and your soul. It's to try and be more present, to try and live more in the present moment, not fast forwarding to the future where am I going to be in five years time where do I want to live what job do I want to have how much money how many kids blah 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 try and pull yourself back into the present moment and that is where the clarity is found you don't find clarity by lingering in the past or imagining what the future is going to be like because your imagination can send you off in 400 different paths So the present moment is definitely another key to accessing the soul self and giving you the courage and the confidence to release what needs to be released. And sometimes we're just not ready to experience the knowings that are ours to uncover because there's other stuff going on in our life. It might be a time in your life where you need to give your energy to your kids or your partner or your parents. And you don't have that time to embrace everything that you are. So that's why there's maybe blockages because your focus and attention needs to be elsewhere. So trust is another another aspect of, of unfolding. That's a journey is real trust. <laughs> and that's 
still one that I'm struggling with at times. <laughs> Aren't we all? I think it's that's one of the biggest mm-hmm. things is just trusting and letting go. Letting go of, mm-hmm. like you said, the the forcing. I have been such a such a I'm guilty of that, of just feeling like I'm trying to push, push, push because I want to get to this new version of me, but I haven't learned the lessons yet or what I was meant to learn in this current version of me. And once I realized that it was a lot easier to to slow down and be more present and stop trying to plan everything on this path of growth. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you, you want to make your life as exciting and easy and fulfilling as you possibly can so naturally you want to do everything you can to make that happen and for you to feel that way right now and and that's the thing we can feel like that in the present moment everything that we're trying to unpack is all about trying to make us feel a certain way so another thing you can do is look at what it is you're trying to achieve and break it down into what achieving that's going to make you feel. And you can feel that in the, in the moment. You can get that feeling by experiencing other things. So again, it, it, when we start to access our feelings and certainly find ourselves in the present moment and, and having the ability to let go, and it, it allows us to access all the positive feelings that we spend our life trying to chase to feel. And the letting go is a really difficult one for a lot of us because it's all about control. And we feel that if we can control things, it will make us feel safer, more joyful, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a bit of a contradiction is the old letting go. And I I struggle to kind of compute what that actually meant. But it's really just about relaxing and trusting and you can learn to do that by listening. There's amazing meditations on YouTube and online of people doing letting go meditations. A, a guy that I love and I always recommend is an Australian guy called Jason Stevenson. If anybody hasn't listened to him, he's on YouTube. He's got about 2 million followers on YouTube. Videos being watched by 250 million people. He's just amazing um, at what he does. And he's got fabulous letting go meditation. But the other thing that you can do is take baby steps to understanding what trust is. And I talk about this in my book. Trust is a massive word. Every single one of us have issues with trust. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust other people because our trust has been broken at various stages by various people and situations throughout our life. But you can look back. And one of the easiest ways to do this is our brain. And I don't know the science behind it, but I know that our brain cannot distinguish between recalled memory and perceived feelings and emotions about a situation. So what you can do is if you're struggling with trust, and that's either to trust your own judgment or to trust another person in a a relationship, then what you can do is look back to a time in your life where you did something based on gut instinct and we've all done it. We've all walked into a house and went, this is a house for me, or We've met somebody and just went, nah, I don't like them or love them. They're going to be my best friend. Or walked in to a job interview and just known this is a job for me. We've all been in that, 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 we've all had these experiences. So go back to a time when you trusted your gut instinct and it worked out for you. 
And then you go into that memory and just expand it like a, a 3D Technicolor movie and go into every single aspect of that memory. And instead of just watching it in your mind's eye, feel your way through it as well. So as you watch the movie unfold in your mind's eye, you want to hook the feelings onto each aspect of the movie, onto the characters, onto each scene, and really allow those feelings to wash over you. And they're all going to be positive feelings because it was an experience that worked out. And you're like, oh my God, I can trust myself. I went in there and through no rational or logical explanation, I just knew that this was the right path to take and it worked out. Then you can take that feeling that you've built up inside of you over the sort of five or 10 minute period and then impose it onto the decision that you're trying to make where you don't feel that you trust your own mind or you trust yourself to make the right decision. And I guarantee you, you will automatically access that gut feeling and you will just know what the answer is rather than go into your head 15 lists later, two months down the line, and you're still turning yourself inside out. It's a really good tool. And again, but accessing those feelings is just accessing your soul self, which is your higher self, your inner wisdom, where all the answers are already there for you. Amen. <laughs> well, Vicky, it's been such a pleasure to, I could talk to you all day about this. Oh, bless. Likewise. Likewise. Will you tell everyone where they can find your book? Thank you. Yes, I'd love to. And I'm going to show it even though we're not showing everybody. So this is my book. Um, it's called How to Be Successful. It is a guide to reconnecting with your soul. It comes in three parts. And it's really broken down to make it understandable, easy to read. And it's for anybody who is either at the beginning of their spiritual journey or is at a point in their life where they feel a shift or a change is happening or needs to happen. And there's some exercises in there. So it's something you could probably devour in a couple of days, but you will want to go back and redo it. So I've taken the time to put some exercises in there so that you can really cement the learnings. And it's available basically anywhere that you can buy a book but for ease um it's on amazon but that's not everybody's cup of tea because it's a big cultural behemoth it's also on bookshop.org bookshop.org which is a great organization that really champions local bookshops but anywhere really online barnes and noble in the states 